The following is excerpted from I Love Lucy, The Untold Story, written by Jess Oppenheimer with Greg Oppenheimer. On January 19, 1953, Lucille Ball gave birth to two baby boys. One was born in the morning in Los Angeles, and the other, that night, 3,000 miles away in New York City. And if that isn't amazing enough, try this. One of the babies was conceived eight months before it was born, but the pregnancy lasted only six weeks. I'm referring, of course, to the television baby born to Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. Of Lucy's two sons, I've always felt a closer kinship with little Ricky Ricardo. Although I can't claim to be his father, I feel that I'm responsible for his being here. As producer and head writer of I Love Lucy, I was well acquainted with the public's great fascination for all things Lucy. But I was totally unprepared for the overwhelming reaction that met the new arrivals in the Ricardo and Arnaz households. The TV birth of Little Ricky was watched by an incredible 44 million viewers, 15 million more than would tune in President Eisenhower's inauguration the next day on all three networks. And when Lucy delivered Desiderio Alberto Anasti Acha number 4 by Caesarean section at 8.15 on that Monday morning, the news was immediately flashed over every news service. Programs were interrupted. It was announced in schools. Seven minutes after Lucy had her baby, it was announced over the radio in Japan and in many other countries where they had never even seen I Love Lucy. Somehow, they were interested. I wasn't about to wait for news bulletins. I had arranged with Desi to phone me at home from the hospital with progress reports. At 7.45 a.m., when Desi called to let me know that Lucy was about to go into the operating room, I asked him to leave the line open so I could be the first to hear the news. As I sat there in the kitchen waiting for the word from Desi, I started thinking about how far we had come with I Love Lucy and how unbelievably lucky we had been every step along the way. It seemed incredible that it had only been 18 short months since all of us had plunged headlong into the brand-new business of television. We were an eager and innocent crew embarking on a trip in a medium about which we knew nothing. None of us had any inkling of the high-flying success that lay ahead. We were all just deliriously knocking ourselves out to put the show on the air each week. What's more, we loved the work. None of us could wait to get to the set or to the typewriter. Luck. There was no doubt about it. The show had been singularly blessed with unbelievably good luck from the very moment of its conception. One afternoon in May 1952, we were about to begin rehearsals for one of the last shows of the season, when I saw Desi enter the soundstage. Without saying a word, he came over, put his arm around my shoulder, and walked me off the set and over to my office so we could be alone. I could see from his expression that whatever the news, it could only be bad. Swallowing hard, Desi said, We just came from the doctor. Lucy is going to have a baby. Pleased as he and Lucy were about having another child, both of them were certain that it meant that I Love Lucy would have to go off the air. The cardinal rule of those who controlled the new medium of television was not to present anything that might offend 
anyone. The CBS censor had a list of words that could never be uttered on the air, and pregnant was one of them. Of course, today, we can not only say the word pregnant on TV, we can also make graphic reference to all the various organs, equipment, and procedures that contribute to that condition. It's hard to imagine that simply putting a pregnant woman on television could ever have been considered daring. But in the early 1950s, the very thought of a television show dealing with as real an idea as having a baby was simply unheard of. To Lucy and Desi, it looked as though they would have to quit TV just as they reached the top. What can we do, Jess? Desi asked me. How long will we have to be over the air? Without thinking twice, I grabbed his hand and shook it. I said, congratulations, it's wonderful. It's just what we need to give us excitement in our second season. Lucy Ricardo will have a baby, too. Desi was incredulous. We can do that on television, he declared. The network, the sponsor, they never let us get away with that. Sure they will, if we present it properly, I told him. What better thing is there for married couples in the audience to identify with than having a baby? Desi finally agreed that it was worth a try and ran off to tell Lucy the news that she was going to have two babies. But as soon as the door closed behind him, I started wondering if I shouldn't have thought twice before making that decision. The responsibility of doing a series of shows on such a delicate theme in such an intimate medium with a star who was actually pregnant was staggering. And maybe Desi was right about the sponsor and the network. After all, they'd already made it clear to us that the Ricardos, though married, were not allowed to share a double bed. I quickly called a conference with Bob and Madeline. The three of us sat in my office for hours, discussing every angle of the problem. We finally decided that although it had never been done before, we were prepared to tackle it. We felt certain that we could extract all the inherent humor from the situation while staying well within the bounds of good taste. The network and the sponsor, however, quickly reached the opposite conclusion. Both CBS and the BO agency were adamant. You cannot show a pregnant woman on television. Our arguments with them went on for weeks. Finally, the BO agency and Philip Morris offered a compromise. They would let us do one or two episodes about Lucy's pregnancy, but no more. Desi and I found this unacceptable. Desi sat down and fired off a letter to Alfred E. Lyons, chairman of the board of the Philip Morris Company. In it, he pointed out that until then, with the creative decisions in our hands, we had managed to give Philip Morris the number one show in the country. If Lyons agreed with the people at Philip Morris who were telling us what not to do, Desi told him, then Philip Morris also must take responsibility from then on for telling us what to do and for whatever consequences that might have on our ratings. The objections from Philip Morris suddenly ceased. The problem of the sex of the expected baby didn't come up until we were approaching the filming of the show in which it was to be born. Normally, of course, one merely waits and lets nature decide, but we were faced with a complicated logistical problem 
of filming duplicate scenes, one with a boy, one with a girl, and then, at the last minute, incorporating into the film the one that corresponded to Lucy's real baby. Desi and I were discussing the technical and the financial aspects of the problem when I turned to him and said, Desi, we're going to break our backs and spend a small fortune making sure that the sex of Lucille Ball's baby and of Lucy Ricardo's baby is the same. But the two babies won't have the same name. So why do they need to have the same sex? As a writer, if I had to choose, I would give the Ricardos a baby boy. I think it would give us more comedy situations. For instance, we could have Lucy insisting on dressing him in feminine clothes or not wanting to get his hair cut. I could see from Desi's face as I spoke that he liked the idea of Lucy having a boy, but his reasons were decidedly different from mine. Look, he said, Lucy gave me one girl. She might give me another. This my only chance to be sure that I get his son. So you give me a boy on TV. Three months after my conversation with Desi about the baby's sex, I sat alone in my kitchen waiting for word from Desi at the hospital. I had written a baby boy for the Ricardo family, but at the moment that was the best-kept secret in Hollywood. Whether nature would cooperate and give the Arnaz family a baby boy as well, nobody yet knew. I had been hanging on the phone waiting to find out for more than a half hour, thinking back over all the twists and turns of fate that had led me to this moment. My thoughts were suddenly interrupted when Desi came back on the line. Jazz, he shouted. Lucy, follow your script. Hey, ain't she something? And I laughed. Terrific, I yelled back at him. That makes me the greatest writer in the world. And then before Desi could run out to address the anxiously waiting press corps, I added, tell Lucy she can take the rest of the day off. 